And so today, you know, Richard, Richard and Lisa do an tr- incredible job back in the sound booth. Y'all might just want to thank them for what they do. They're so, so faithful. And so typically I'm working on my sermon throughout the week and I've got an idea what God wants me to bring. And then I have to get it, the words and the scriptures down so Richard can put them on the screen. And man, this is one of those weeks. It, I, for, for some reason, Family Sunday is a little bit tougher for me because I really want to make sure the kids get it too because I know all of you adults are so smart and you get it all every time. <laughs> so I want to make sure the kids get it and... So try to tailor it and change it a little bit and make it more family-friendly. And, and sometimes you just can't. And because of the times we live in, I don't know that we really should. Because I'm telling you, the world sure doesn't. They're not family-friendly. The enemy's not family-friendly. The media's not family-friendly. And so I struggled with this sermon. I really did. Where Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. Because that's our trademark. That's our, that's our identity. Uh, if you don't believe me, go look, step outside, look at the front of the building where it says freedom. It's our identity. And when we began this ministry, it was because we had been in, in a denomination for many years. And, and most people in the denominations, you know what they do? They just fake it. And they say, well, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And how's everything? Oh, I'm good. How's your kids? Oh, they're great. And the kids' son's on drugs and the daughter's, you know, fooling around and all the... All the wrong things are going on, but we're all good. And we came to the place of, really, are Christians that good? Are we just all messed up? Do we not know what freedom really is? Because it doesn't seem to me, it didn't appear to me that we saw many people really walk in freedom. You know what I'm talking about, Hunter? And so the Bible teaches, and we teach, we've taught it for 15, going on 16 years, that Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. So when we start doing this series and what did Jesus do so we would know what we're supposed to do because we don't we don't we're not we're not going to know what we Jesus would we would do if if we don't know what he already did. And he says that we would do the same things that he did and we would do, do even greater things. And Richard, if you can't follow me today that's or at least that's okay because I'm probably going to be going around because and, and so I came to bed last night it was like 11:30 and I've been struggling and I've been praying I'd get up from the desk and and I'd had these things mapped out, and man, I'd get frustrated. You know, a lot of preachers, they just get their next online sermon, and they're cool to go. God has not released me to do that, so uh, <laughs> probably never will, Justin. Uh, so when, I, when we get into the subject of freedom, it, it's, it's a vast subject. It's a big subject. And Belinda Aycock has studied it, and we do these classes called Freedom Foundations, and we take people through classes on how to walk in freedom. And then I go back to the Scriptures, and, and Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You know, I think we've, we've learned that this passage so well that we forget where it starts. When Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the, or the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And when, he, when Jesus got up and he read that from the scroll of Isaiah, from Isaiah 61, 
Then he sat down. And you know what he said after he sat down? Today, this has been fulfilled within your hearing. And I go, but we've made it very complicated, Lord. We said you've got to go through this, this step and this step and this conference and this deliverance and, and all these things. And, and sometimes you do. I, I'm not, I'm not going to discount counseling. I'm not going to discount uh, good teaching on how to be free. But I want you to know the simplicity of the gospel is Jesus said, I have come. And he said, first of all, I proclaimed it. I proclaimed liberty. I pro- proclaimed freedom to those who are in bondage, to those who are, are, are caught up in, in the wrong things. I've, I've come to proclaim it. How, do you, how many of you know every Sunday I proclaim things? You proclaim things to your kids. You declare things to your kids, and I proclaim things. But not everybody gets it. Not everybody receives the proclamation. Not everybody receives the declaration. Everybody, everybody hears it maybe with some ears or some kind of hearing, but not everybody takes it and applies it and lives it. So Jesus said, first of all, I'm going to proclaim that I have come to set the captives free. He's, he's telling, this is my mandate. This is what God the Father has called me to do. But he said, I have to do it by the Spirit of the Lord. I have to do it because the Spirit has come upon me. Remember, we started this whole series out with Jesus being water baptized and then baptized in the Holy Spirit immediately after. And then knowing his identity as he faced Satan in the wilderness... And then he said, now I can do what God has called me to do. And if we are called, like John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you, Jesus said, he who believes in me, the whosoever, say, I believe. If you're one of the whosoevers, this is you he's talking to. The works that I do, he will do also. In other words, Jesus, whatever Jesus did, the works that he did in signs and wonders and miracles and freedom and salvations, all these works that Jesus said he did, he said we will do. And not only those, but he said we will do greater works than these. We will do because, and he says, because I go to my father. And what he meant by that, if you'll continue on reading, we're not going to this morning, about when he meant because I go to my father is because he said the Holy Spirit's going to come and empower you. Okay? So the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us. So we have this anointing. We have the spirit of God upon us. So we are supposed to participate in setting the captives free. The problem with most Christians is you can't give something out that you don't already have. And if you're walking in bondage this morning, if you're tied up, if you're captivated by something or someone other than Christ, it's going to be hard for you to lead somebody else into freedom. Even Jesus talks about a blind man leading a blind man. Guess what they're going to do? They're both going to fall in the ditch. So when I'm, when I'm studying this, I'm saying, God, why is it so complicated? Why do every week after week after week do people come into my office and they begin to spew all the horrible things of their life and the bondages that they're in? Why they're not free yet? Because Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. And if you've got Jesus, really, he's already determined that you have freedom. It's already ours. And yet we struggle. Most Christians struggle in this area of freedom. And and it's like a lifelong battle. And we even talk about it's a battle. And we talk about how the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But here's the thing. Jesus proclaimed this. He said, I know the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But he says, I have come that you might have what? Life abundantly. Life more abundantly. Life to the full. Overflowing. There's another proclamation that Jesus has. But how many of you know Christians that are not walking or living the abundant life? 
Come on, how many of you know Christians? And it may be you. But you're not living the abundant life. You're not enjoying the abundant life. You're still, you're still in the, man, I can't believe he stole something else from me. I can't believe he robbed something else from me. I, blame, I can't believe he's killed something and killed a dream in my life. And we give so much credit to the enemy that we forget who God is and how big he is and that he has already set the captives free. So that's what I want to get across to you this morning is that it, when we proclaim it, it doesn't necessarily, when, even when Jesus proclaims it, it doesn't necessarily mean people receive it. And they are that they walk in it. But listen, we've got to start out by the proclaiming, don't we? We've got to start out by changing the way we speak. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I hear it quoted wrong all the time. Everybody starts with life and death are in the power of the tongue. But the Bible says death first and life are in the power of the tongue. In other words, he's wanting you to know, listen, death, the power of your tongue can kill, but can also give life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So when, what are you proclaiming over your children? What are you, what are you declaring over your children as mothers and dads, as parents, as grandparents? What are you speaking over those people that, have in, that you have influence over in your life? Are you proclaiming the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you preaching the gospel to your kids? Or are, you, are you there when their, their heart gets broken? Are you there to heal up their, their broken heart? Are you there to let them know that they don't have to walk in bondage? But you see, if they see mom and dad in bondage, it's going to be hard for them to understand about freedom. So this morning, I, I pray, and I am praying for a supernatural, supernatural release from the bondage. Because I serve a supernatural God. We, we sometimes, I mean, that, that person, they're going to have to go through about weeks of counseling to get them free. I don't see that in Scripture. I, I don't see where Jesus said, okay, sir. That demon's going to come out. We're going to talk about it. You go to my office. Check in with Peter. Peter's going to take your name down. We're going to get you scheduled for some counseling. Really? He didn't do that. He said, out. Don't bother him anymore. You've had your way that little child too long. Get out of him. And we, I, I want to see that. And this, it's, already, it's, already been ta- it's already been taken care of at the cross. Oh, boy. Y'all are, y'all are with me, I think, this morning. Second <laughs> Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. See, that's our problem. We war in the flesh all the time. I can beat this. Man, I am not going to have another drink. That was my last cigarette. That was my last pill. That was my last viewing of that pornography. I am not going to do it anymore. And we make these vows that we can do anything. And apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We war in the flesh too much. You know what happens when you war in the flesh? You lose. I lose when we war in the flesh. He says, listen, this is Paul's for though we walk in the flesh. Listen, we are flesh and blood. Say, I'm flesh and blood. We are. He said, though he, he acknowledges that for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. He is making a declaration there. Guess what? They're not all doing what he's saying. But he's saying we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons. Say weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means worldly, okay? But they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, strongholds here is in a negative sense. There are good strongholds, but these are bad strongholds. He says the weapons of our warfare are not worldly or carnal, for the, but mighty in God. Listen, he's acknowledging the only way it's going to happen is through the mightiness of God. 
And when he's talking about God here, I think he's talking about God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we, we forget about how all those three work together. Casting down arguments. See, the enemy likes to argue, and he wants to get you arguing with yourself. Casting down these arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Listen, throughout this world, all the time, you're going to be inundated with other people and the media and what that is going to try to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. And we've got to understand that the knowledge that we seek is godly knowledge. It's not the world's knowledge. Bringing, listen, bringing every thought, say every thought, into, cap, in, into captivity. There's a good capture there, okay? You can be captured by the wrong things. But he said bring every thought, every thought into captivity. Capture the thought to obey Christ or into the obedience of Christ. See, our, our thought life is where the enemy begins, Matter of fact, after the enemy starts there, he leaves you alone and he leaves you to your own thoughts and your own thoughts leads you to your own desires. Your own desires leads you leads you to your own lust. Your own lust leads you to your own sin and sin results in death. If you read James one, that's a loose translation of it. But that's how it works. It's a gradual deterioration of your mind. So that's why if you're not thinking every thought, if you're not thinking on Christ and you're thinking on the last negative junk that somebody put on Facebook. Yeah? Or the last negative thing you watched on television before you went to bed that was about rape and murder and pillage and all that stuff. We, we go to bed with those thoughts in our minds and we think, oh, why didn't I sleep good last night? Seriously? I want you to turn to John 8 if you have your Bibles with you. I think I did give these scriptures. Trying to keep this family friendly. (laughs) Oh, boy. Show your kids that you know where John is. I'm not going to throw you off like Ron. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those dudes that put it together back hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago, it should have been Matthew, Mark, John, Luke, Acts. I don't know how they messed that up, but Acts is a, is a continuation of Luke, right? Okay. John 8, if you go back this afternoon, read all of John 8. It will bless you. And it talks about exactly what I'm talking about this morning. But I'm going to begin verse 31. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. He's talking about the Jews that believed him. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. In other words, you're my students. Disciples, or another word for disciples is students. He's teaching. He's a rabbi, okay? And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Some translations say set you free. New King James says make you free. I like the fact that the truth, and who's the truth? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. So if he's the way and if he's the truth and he's the life, and he says, you shall know the truth. In other words, he's talking about an intimacy, a relationship with a living God. If you know the truth, 
You are already, you are set free. He, he says this truth makes you free. Not going to, maybe. It says he, it makes us free. And they answered him, said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you, he's talking, they're talking to Jesus, how can you say you will be made free? See, they were thinking and they were thinking in uh, uh, the, old, the, the, the old law ways and, you know, the legalistic ways. They were thinking that way and that's okay because that's who they were. And Jesus is coming and bringing their message of grace to them. And Jesus answered and said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, that seems like a really harsh statement. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. What he's talking about is before before Christ, he said, if you've sinned, there's a penalty. You've got to pay for sin, right? And they were a slave to the law because the law said you've got to go and offer this sacrifice and this sacrifice. And if you don't do that right, then your sins are forgiven. So they were a slave to sin. But I want to tell you, before Christ comes into your life, you and I are slaves or were slaves to sin. We were slaves to sin. We, weren't, we were slaves to the enemy. We weren't, we weren't captured by the love of Christ. We were slaves to sin. And so he says, He's telling them, listen, you've lived this way all of your life, but I'm telling you a new way. He said, therefore, if the Son, the capital S, makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Listen, have you ever sinned? Some, some, any of you still sin? Of course you do. But guess what? When Christ comes in, he said, here, here's what he said. You are no longer a slave to sin. Sin does no longer have dominion over you. When you sin, it's your choice. It's your choice because he's already set you free from that. And yet we still, we, we, you know what some people say? Man, I just sin all the time. Well, really? Is that what, you, is that what your legacy, is that what you, your declaration is? I'm a sinner, I, just, I sin all the time? Or is it I've been gloriously saved and set free from the power of sin? Yeah, and listen, I was brought up where you weren't supposed to ever sin. And listen, that's true. When Jesus, when he, when he dealt with a woman that had been caught in adultery, what did he say? Neither do, do I condemn you. But what did he say next? Go and sin a little bit more. He said, go and sin no more. He doesn't want you to sin. He doesn't want me to sin. But you know what we do? We, we, just, we just compromise and we rationalize. So, well, everybody else does it, so I guess that's what I am. And we give in and we, we allow sin to come in. And God says, no, no more. And don't continue in that sin. Because grace, grace covers it. Listen, grace covers it, but that doesn't con- grace doesn't condone it. God doesn't condone sin. Jesus died that we would not be sinners. He died for all of our sins. Not so we could continue to sin, but we can live a, sin, a sinless life, a free life, a pure life that honors him. But we have, we have so slipped into the, the idea in our culture that everybody does it, that it's okay to watch this, it's okay to do that, that we just, we've rationalized and compromised our way back, and we look a lot like the world. But we've been set free from that. He has set you free. Listen, we, I just started reading Henry Malone's book again, Shadowboxing. How many of you have read Shadowboxing? How many of you have not read Shadowboxing? I want to tell you, it's a powerful book. I, I recommend if you've read it, read it again. I recommend if you haven't, get it. Uh, it's by Henry Malone, Shadow Boxing. Uh, we buy them by the case here, and, and we, we get them for like seven bucks. And if you want to buy some from the church, you can. 
But it talks about five ways that the enemy has access into our lives. Did you know that the enemy cannot come into your life? You have to allow him to come in. And he has five ways of access that, that he teaches and I think are really pretty much covers everything. Now, I want to share this quickly with you. We're not going to dwell here. I just want you to know that when, when, that when we live a life for Christ, it's our choice how we're going to live it. If he's already declared we're free, you can choose to live free or you can choose to live in bondage. It's your choice. But I want to tell you, if you want to see your kids set free, you, bet you need to get free too. If you want to see your community change, if we want to see San Angelo change, we've got to get free. It got to be more than just a sign on the front of the building. It's got to be more than just what's on my little business card, Freedom Fellowship, Pastor. It's got to be more than that. But he talks about five ways that the enemy has that we give him legal, say legal access. We give him legal access in five different ways. I'm not going to dwell on them. I'm just going to share them with you very quickly. One of them is, is through disobedience. That's just flat out saying, God's saying, don't do that. And you say, yeah, I'm going to do it. Or God says, do that, and you say, I'm not going to do it. That's just disobedience. He says to love people, love others, forgive. He says all these things, and you say, you know what, God, I'm going to do my own thing. Well, that's disobedience. You have opened the door to the enemy. Now go, I don't know, Satan, God, I don't know, he did that to me. I don't know, he made me do that. He didn't. You let him, okay? That's number one. The second, th- second open door that we give our uh, legal access is through intervals and judgments. If you're one of these people that has a critical spirit, I can promise you that you probably judge people all the time. You do. And and maybe that's from your culture. Maybe it's from your background. Maybe it's from the church that you were brought up in. Maybe it's where your parents were. It's called legalism. Some people call it a religious spirit. But most people that live that way make judgments all the time, and they make vows. Like I said earlier, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to have a marriage like that. I'm never going to weigh that much. Go ahead, make those vows and see how that works out for you. That's an, that gives the enemy legal access. He goes, oh, really? Let me see how I can mess up your life there. Third way is through emotional trauma. Now, some people would say that this is uh, not legal access, but it really it truly is. And emotional trauma happens, uh, I maybe ought to qualify that. When, you're, when a child is emotionally traumatized through abuse or something, it's really not legal access. It's an intrusion, but a lot of times through emotional trauma, things that we go through in our life, like we get a, a cancer sentence or we get a, this disease or your, your, your spouse comes and says, I want a divorce. And listen, you can de- as a Christian, we have a way we're supposed to deal with those things where the enemy doesn't have access. And we stand, we stand on faith and we have the armor of God that protects us. But so many times we give the enemy illegal access by, by the way we react to trauma. You understand what I'm saying? Your, your spouse, let's just say your spouse comes to you and says, I've been having an affair, and hate enters your heart instead of forgiveness. And they, they, they ask you to forgive them, you, I'll never forgive you. Well, that's not God, okay? So you, he comes through legally, legally at, accesses our heart by the way we respond even to trauma in our, in, that can happen to us. Another is curses, generational curses or just curses. Some of you, we've taught, taught this many times, we, speak, we can speak death or life over our children or our circumstances over our families, and God's called us to speak life. But if you're not speaking life, you're speaking death. And if you're speaking death, you're speaking a curse. You'll never amount to anything. You're no good. You're just like your daddy. You're going to be a drunk. You're going to end up in jail. And usually the things that we speak to our kids, that's, why they, that's how they end up. 
because we've spoken curses. You've got to break, go back and break those curses. A lot of curses have been passed on, and sometimes they're just like physical curses of diabetes or, or heart, pro, uh, heart problems or, or, or even, even I've seen divorce as being a generational curse. We've got to be intelligent enough because Jesus and the Word says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. We've got to be uh, knowledgeable enough to go back and break those generational curses. That have been passed on generation, third and the fourth generation. We've got to go back. And it's, listen, it's by simply by the power of the word of God and by the blood of Christ, we break those generational curses and say, I'm not going to participate with that anymore. And then you walk in freedom. And the last one is probably the biggest one. It's, It's unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me how many people, and it's probably, if I looked across, I don't know how many people are in here. The percentage in here would probably blow everybody else away of, of, of people in this room right now that have unforgiveness to somebody else. You're holding on to a grudge. You're holding on to the past. You're saying, man, that person hurt me, and I'm going to get even with them. I hope somebody gets even with them if I don't get even with them. But I'll tell you what, I would never forgive them. There ain't no way I'd forgive them. And you wonder why you're bound up. You wonder why you're sick. You wonder why you're not having an influence in the kingdom of God. Because, see, all these things, if we allow the enemy to have access in our lives, binds us up. And Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to set the captives free. He wants to set you free today. I remember when we were in the, uh, in the nursing homes, when we were chaplains at uh, one of the nursing homes here in town, Mary Lou went in. I probably won't tell it all right, but you can, I'll get it right for the next service. <laughs> there was a man in, in, in one of the rooms, and he was 90 years old, 80-something, 90 years old. He was shaking like this. Man, he was, having a, he was just having a hard time. Uh, I forgot what the diagnosis was, but Mary Lou began to talk to him. He said about his marriage. His wife was there. and Oh, yeah, we've been married 30-something years. Well, the guy's 90, so, you know, 30 years is... He's probably another marriage. Well, what ha- would, were you married before that? Oh, yeah. And usually in the nursing home, you think everybody's nice, sweet little Christian people. <laughs> Woo. If they weren't before they got in there, they probably aren't after they get there. Probably angrier. And anyway, she began to, to ask him about his previous marriage, and he began to say, well, my wife left me for another man. He's 90, shaking hurting, and began to say all these things about his ex-wife. He merely said, sir, have you ever thought about forgiving her? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, like strike a match. (laughs) No. I could never forgive her. She ruined my life. And merely said, you know what? You're right. You can't. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can. She led him in a prayer right there. And he forgave this woman who he said had ruined his life. He forgave her. Peace came over him. Freedom. He said, this is the first time I felt like breathing in a long time. Unforgiveness, church. If you think it's okay to hold on to something like that, then you're saying it's okay to stay in bondage because that's what you're in. You're bound up. You know, when you're bound up, you can't do a whole lot. 
Justin, I, don't, I doubt that you could work very well on air conditioning if your hands and feet were tied. I'm here to work on your air conditioning unit, ma'am. Uh, no. No, you're not. <laughs> I'll get somebody else that's not bound up. And you know what the church is, what we're supposed to do? We're to cut those ties. We're, we're to cut the chains or the zip ties or un, unlock the handcuffs or whatever it is we're supposed to do. Just like when Lazarus came out of, the, out of the tomb and he was all bound up in grave clothes. And you know what Jesus did? He said, you guys go uh, loose him. We're, we're supposed to be this. When, when Jesus said that we would do what he did, we're supposed to be those people that go and help take the grave clothes off of people. That have bound them up in death and bound them up in bondage and bound them up in shame and guilt and condemnation. We're supposed to be the ones that loose them from that. But if you're not free, it's going to be really hard for you to loose somebody else from their junk. We sang this morning this song and love the song. John Nolan was the first one that said, man, we need, to, we need to learn that song, Pastor. Y'all think it's all the young people that give us these new songs. Uh, John Nolan is not a young person. He said, have you ever heard that song, No Longer Slaves? And uh, matter of fact, somebody else had sent it to me. I said, yeah, I've heard it. It's a beautiful song. But the line we sing and that y'all sang, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. You're proclaiming it. You're declaring it. But are you walking in it? Romans 8, 14 says, it's one of my wife's favorite scriptures. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The word spirit shows back up again. Spirit and freedom go really well together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I've come to set the captives free. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's our go-to verse that goes with our sign. Second <laughs> Corinthians 3.17. NIV is the word freedom. NKJV, New King James is liberty. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again, again to fear. Say again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption. Say adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see, so many Christians, they identify more with the spirit of fear than they do with the spirit of God. And that should not be. It should not be that we would ever identify with the spirit of fear. And we quote that scripture. Doug quoted that scripture this morning. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You know why we quote that so much and why we look at these scriptures? Because so many people are bound in fear. And fear has many tentacles. Fear has many tentacles. Pride and fear go well together. You know that? Bondage and fear, they go together. I mean, when you are fearful, the enemy you have, you've given him a legal access to your life to ravage your life and bring you into a place of bondage. And God wants to set you free. Jesus said, 
The spirit of the Lord is upon me. I've come to set you free. He says, if you know me, if you know me, and you know that I am the truth, then I will make you free. When he died on the cross, he said, I've died for all of your sins. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're children of the most high God. We have been adopted by the, by the most high God. We, we have been adopted and we have received the spirit of adoption, not the spirit of fear. But in the church, we see more people that act like children of the devil than children of the Lord. I mean, these are hard things to say, but it's true. Because I want to see you free. I want to be free. I want to be free. (laughs) Whatever that song was from. I want to be free. But if I'm going to be free, the only way I can be free is that I am free transparent to the Lord and honest with God and allow him to come in and sweep out all the things that don't look like Jesus and fill me with the spirit of God and continually allow him to fill me and yield to him so I can be refilled. And when anything comes between he and I, then I would, I would quickly repent of it and I would no longer be a slave to sin. And I wouldn't have to keep going around that same old mountain over and over and over again. He wants you to be free this morning. And he will set you free if you want to be free. Problem is a lot of people just flat out don't want to be free. I have seen it more than I care to even think about. You know why? Their bondage is an attention getter. You know, they're just going to stand... They've already determined, they've tried it, and they failed. So why keep trying and being disappointed by themselves? So they quit trying. They quit allowing God to do anything in their life. Some people, they enjoy their bondage. That sounds pretty sick, but they do. I like that. I don't want to get out of that, Pastor. That is kind of fun. I like living in sin. Well, as Dave Ramsey said, how's, how's that working out for you? Because in the end, it won't work out good for you at all. And you're not bringing honor and glory to God. So this morning, my question is, and you don't have to answer this out loud, but do you want to be free? Do, do you want to really be free? Because it's already the price has been paid. You don't have to pay for it. It's a gift. That freedom is a gift. So are you willing to receive it? Can we have our ministry? Y'all go, y'all go ahead and stand. Can I have a ministry team to the front, please? I'm not going to name any bondages this morning. You know what your bondage is if you're in bondage. You already know. Do you want the Holy Spirit to deal with that this morning? Do you want it to be dealt with today and finished? Wouldn't that be cool? God is able. God is able. Whatever that bondage is, God is able. You know, even a spirit of uh, infirmity is, is bondage. 
God didn't want you to stay there. I just said I wasn't going to name them, and I named one. Sorry. And I know we might run a little bit over it. I, I just feel that this is so important. Uh, and Mary Lou says she, she just had a word that if there are any children here that are battling headaches, she would like to pray for them. So would you just bow your heads? Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, you are so good. And you really want us to be free. Jesus, you died on the cross that we would be free. And everything you did, you did because you saw the Father do it. So we know the three, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, are in agreement for our freedom today. You're always in agreement. So there may be one, there may be 50 here this morning that have been battling and... Today would be the day that they're no longer going to be captured by the enemy. As believers, captured by the enemy and the thoughts and the continual compromise and the continual sin. But today they say, this is enough. I want freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free, the Bible says. You're already free. You want to live like that? That's the question this morning. If that's you. You want prayer this morning? I'm going to just invite you to come step out and let some of our ministry team pray for you. Just quickly, quickly. Step out and come. Just determine today is the day. Today is the last day. This, I want to be free. Thank you, Lord. Freedom, 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 freedom. Jimmy and Martha, could you come pray? Charles and Pam, could you come? I see people want to be free. You know, God, God's waiting for this day. This is a divine appointment, like Brother Basil says. It's a divine appointment. He wants you to be free. God wants you to be free. And he'll let you walk out of here in shackles. <laughs> Listen, I worked at the jail for three years as a chaplain. I watched the guys when they were transported from uh, the jail to any other location. They had to shackle their feet and their hands. And I feel so sorry for those guys. I had to wear the orange jumpsuits and go across in front of all of the city, go across Harris Street to the courthouse, making that noise. Or they're going to the hospital and ching, 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 ching and walking that, that funny walk. Listen, you're not walking in freedom when you're shackled. You can't be the hands and feet of Christ if they're like this. Jesus' hands are always out. So this morning, if you want to be free, if there's something that the enemy is just continually had held, held some bondage over your head and you've not been able to, to walk in freedom from that. If that's you this morning, we want to pray for you. And listen, they're not going to pray some... I don't know how they're going to pray. I just know they're going to be led by the Spirit to pray for you. It's not about embarrassing anybody. It's not about bringing condemnation on anybody. It's about loving you. He loved us so much, He wanted us to be free. So if that's you this morning, you want prayer. I'm going to ask you to step out and come. Gussie, can you pray for somebody? Can you step up here for us? If you're a young lady, Gussie would love to pray for you this morning. Young lady, any young people? Young ladies, come on. You're young. Yes, you are. I want to pray for you. Anybody else? Justin, you want to pray for somebody this morning? Would you like to pray for somebody? Because they're waiting for people. They're waiting for somebody to come up here. This guy, man... (laughs) He's on this journey. 
And I know he wants to pray for somebody this morning. So if you need prayer, if there's a young man here this morning that you're in bondage, man, you've been going around the same mountain, you're fighting the same thing. Maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's lust. Listen, the world wants you to stay right there. The enemy wants you to stay right there. You know why? Because you'll never be effective in the kingdom of God if you're in bondage. So if you need prayer this morning, if you're a man, well, I just would love to pray for you. Come on, step out. We, we, we've got time. We've got some other things to cover, but this is way more important. It's way more important. Way more important. Anybody else need prayer? Well, I'll, I'll find somebody to pray with you. If you step out and come, I'll find somebody to pray with you. Hunter will pray with somebody. Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else? Y'all can be seated then. Y'all can be seated just for a couple of minutes.